0: Hi, I'm Jeff Wilson, and I have a story to tell about love, magic, or what seems like magic to me, and the powerful role plant medicines had in bringing me back from the depths of depression to a place where I am almost insanely excited about my life. I'm grateful for you to be listening, and my hope is that you will also experience the change you need, because this podcast isn't really about me. It's about you and your evolution, and it's about the thousands of others, like me, who have had similar spiritual, psychedelic experiences from using plant medicines. So get ready to get wiser as you learn from each one of our guests, and the warmest welcomes to the parables of plant medicine. It's time to get wise. Jeff Wilson here with Mike with a comb. Mike, I'm so excited to have you on the show Parables of Plant Medicine. Welcome. Oh, thank you for having me on. Appreciate cool. it. Oh, it's, uh, it's exciting. We just saw each other over at Lee G's place uh, a couple of weeks ago. You were coming back. Uh, from a two-hour motorcycle ride, at least in the hottest months of uh, the year here in Costa Rica, from Samra to, uh, to Coco, and uh, we sort of got, uh, was outside the gate, and reconnected, but you were one of the first people that I did uh, plant medicine experiences in, uh, in Tamarindo, and you were giving us adjustments and massages and prep, prepping us to have a good experience, and, and that's how we met, and uh, I, I, I got to tell you, you're, you're a big guy. You're, you're an impressive personality. And I was like, uh, Lee, who is this guy? And he's like, oh, you don't know Mike? Played for the NFL, played for the CFL. One of uh, the CFL's most outstanding, well, the most outstanding linemen for the CFL in 1995. And uh, just uh, an incredible uh, athletic career. Most people don't get that kind of thing. And, uh, and man, it was uh, great to uh, hear that about you and to see you've sort of made the transition from uh, from athletics uh, into something new.
1: From bully to healer.
0: <laughs> I love it, my friend. Um, I wanted to start talking about your plant medicine journey, but when I went through your Wikipedia, I, uh, I saw that there was another, uh, there was an incident that might've been scary at the time, but it sounded like uh, you were in the paper for stopping a home invasion back in 2017?
1: Yeah, I just um, moved downtown in Las Vegas, and um, it was getting towards the time when uh, my retirement was about to kick in, so I was, it was for me, it was like when my my, uh, retirement kicks in, it's gonna be backpack and a passport, so I was downsizing everything, selling all, basically selling everything off. And uh, I got in this nice place, it's actually a really nice place in uh, downtown Vegas, and I've been there probably two, three weeks, and uh, I got woken up by my landlord screaming at the top of her lungs, telling this guy to get the hell off the property, and uh, first thing I threw on was my kilt, because uh, I love wearing them. And this love is like it. three o'clock in the morning, three, four o'clock in the morning, and so I walk out on my balcony, and I look down, and there's this guy trying to beat in uh, my downstairs neighbor's door. And, he's, and she's this single mom with this absolutely gorgeous daughter, could be a model, I mean, tall and just beautiful. Oh, boy. And uh, he was – I didn't find out till later that he, he told the mom he was going to kill her and, and take the daughters. So, I, you know, I was kind of – hopefully I prevented a murder-rape, whatever, kidnapping i will be damned if I'm going to stand by and let a single mother lose her daughter to a predator.
0: A former NFL football player jumps into action when his neighbor screams for help in the middle of the night. Thank goodness you didn't hear that because you probably would have did more than tackle him. (laughs) Yeah, I don't, I, yeah, the the cops probably would have just called the meat
1: wagon instead, so. (laughs) But yeah, I came down and uh, I looked over my railing and. He saw me, and then he kind of backed off. And he's all like, uh, "F you, white boy! You're not going to do anything." And he whacked, walked back over and started beating on the door again, trying to trying to break it down. So I was like, "Oh, okay." Good. So I walked down, and it's like, "Hey, bro, uh, this is private property. Sign right there says you're not supposed to be here. It's time for you to go." And I've done a lot of security and bodyguard and weapons instructor and martial arts, along with pro football and wrestling and and uh, put my hand on his shoulder to walk him off the property. I knew exactly what he was going to do before he even did it. Spin. And turned to turned swing on me. And uh, I hit him uh, three times, three uh, fast jabs right right square in the face. Grabbed a handful of his hoodie. And then pile-drived his face right into the ground. Then dropped my knee on the back of his head. And to my surprise, the guy kept fighting. I uh, yeah. really was surprised about that. So ended up choking him out. And uh, cops came and uh, wrapped him up and everything like that. It was it was, it was was actually kind of funny, man, because uh, they're flying all over. You know, it's 3 o'clock in the morning, and they're flying all over the neighborhood trying to find this Wait. female cop on a radio. And, you know, I'd already subdued the guy. She just came up and was like, okay, I got him. I'm like, no, uh, handcuff the dude. I just got done, you know, fighting fighting for the last five minutes so she's like yeah that's that's probably a good idea so she cups him up and uh and then i'm standing there and i was actually really surprised at how calm i was because i'm just kind of standing there watching and then i see this cop car go flying by and i'm like hey and he screeches his brakes on and i'm like pointing at her so he rips it up and they all back up, and the next thing you know, there's like 12 cops standing there, all hands on their guns, and, <laughs> and I'm just like, all right, be as calm as possible, Mike, be as calm as possible. <laughs> so they're kind of looking at me, and uh, one of the cops that I had talked to earlier, this is kind of a long, involved story, I'm giving the Reader's Digest version of it, but uh, one of the cops that had talked to me earlier is like, no, he's cool, we would already talked to him, so they're like, all right. So the duty sergeant, I'm sitting there, and I had uh, scraped my hands and knees up because uh, I was basically just trying to keep control of him. I didn't want to beat him up too bad because mm. I, didn't, I didn't know the whole story. Exactly. And uh, the duty sergeant comes up, and he sees me just sitting there in my kilt and nothing else. And he's like, took him down in a kilt <laughs> like a <laughs> boss. <laughs> I was like, right on. Uh, my friend put it in the uh, – took some photos of what happened that night and uh, put it on Facebook and it kind of went viral. And uh, I was actually wearing a uh, Utila kilt and people from you, from the Utila kilt recognized it. And they're like, Hey, if anybody knows that guy, have him give us a call, man. We really want to talk to him. So I called him up and yeah, that was me. And they're like, dude, we want to give you a kilt, man. You did a great job. I'm like, sure. Thanks, man. So they like two days later, got a free kilt in the, in the mail. Nice
0: That's one awesome. too, man. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Man. Yeah. yeah. Now, so, so and forgive my ignorance. Kilts are typically Scottish, right? Yeah, I'm a Scottish and Comanche Indian. Ah, awesome, awesome. So uh, all I all I know about the Scottish um, culture is that uh, whenever we had pavilions back home in Regina, Saskatchewan, which was these go to all these restaurants that would pop up is, uh, that if it, if it's not Scottish, it's crap. And, uh, Haggis is terrible. <laughs> 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 um, <Drink> it's <laughs> waiting so to
1: drink so much so they can get the food down.
0: <laughs> That's awesome, man. Thank you so much for sharing that story. Um, and, uh, and, uh, man, it's always good when, uh, We have good things in the world like that happen. But talk to me about um, your journey into plant medicine.
1: I, um, I was living in Vegas and I started dating this girl and she was doing it. And she kind of talked to me about it, and I was and at first it was Bufo. That's what I started on was the uh, various uh,
0: You start wait, hold on a second, man. You started with Bufo? That is that there's that is the gateway drug. That's like that's like isn't that like dying? Like that's what I see is that that's this one of the strongest plant medicines out there, the most effective. Would you say? Wow, man. I mean, well, let me tell you, the first <laughs> I've been partying a lot, so I was smoking a lot of weed and,
1: and drinking a lot and mm. a lot and she talked. She kind of talked me into it, and let me tell you, the first two times that I tried it, it didn't take. I just got – I just dry-heaved, you know, because you got to – the first time was uh, – I actually had about an hour's notice. She's just like, you know, come on out and try it, and I'm like, I don't know, and she's just like, come on, you know, please, for me, I really think it would help you, and I'm like, okay. And the first time I did it, uh, man, I took like, Jesus, eight, ten hits, and I didn't go over Wow. Yeah. But it was weird because I was like, what the hell? And, but something something changed. And I couldn't put a finger on it, couldn't notice. I mean, but I noticed. So I went again. And same thing, like, eight, ten hits, didn't go over. I'm just like, what the hell's going on? And even the shaman was just like, what the fuck, man? So the third time, I had cleaned up for about a month. Barely drank anything. Didn't smoke. And uh, I went in, and I had a, more of an intention in mind and everything like that. And I took one hit, and wow, the whole universe was there. It was nuts, man. And uh, I remember taking a hit, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking, okay, I wonder how many I'm going to have to take this time. And all of a sudden, all the colors started swirling together, and then they all kind of, like, it went down the drain into, like, one little black dot, and then lights out. And then I remember opening my eyes once, and I was looking at the ceiling fan, and it was all fractaling. Oh, wow. And then uh, I opened my eyes up again, I don't know how long long later, and there was, like, uh, Carrie, my girlfriend, was leaning over me. And somebody was walking past, and every everything was still fractaling. And I was like, "What the hell is going on?" I couldn't even think. And then I remember when when I came out, it was uh, everything was really bright and really loud. And and Carrie was straddling me. I'm laying on my back, and she's on all fours over me. And I'm just like, "I get it now. I get it." It just seemed <laughs> everything was so clear, man. It, it was just like, I mean, the top of the world, best feeling. Man, it just seemed like everything made sense. And the one thing that I really noticed after that time was like all the stuff, all the bullshit in your life that just the daily stuff that just pisses you off. Man, why is the traffic so bad? Everybody's <laughs> honking their... <laughs> all that stuff just doesn't matter anymore. That was the biggest thing that I noticed. For me, it was just like all this nitpicky bullshit around your life that just picks at you like little freaking needles just doesn't matter anymore. Like all that, that stress is gone. That was the one thing that I really noticed for me was, was I was letting go of a lot of hate, anger, and rage. I grew up in a generational military family and I'm, Probably the first male in a long line that did not go because my senior year in high school, I had, I had 65 scholarship offers to play football. Mm. So my dad being a command master chief was like, you're going to school. Yeah. It's free. So if you it gotta, doesn't work out, you can always go in the military as an officer.
0: Hey, Mike, so, before we get into that, I, I want to just go back here to a second. So you said before with, the third Bufo, before the third Bufo time, you uh, you yeah. started you started to clean up a bit. Was that because you wanted to have a bufo experience? Was it because you were like, okay, I got to clean up anyway, or was it because your girlfriend? Like, what was guiding you to sort of stop, slow down on the drinking before you got to the, to the third bufo experience? I was just curious as to what the intention was there. hi i'm jeff wilson and uh, i'm super happy that you're enjoying the parables of plant medicine podcast if you have any interest of becoming a plant medicine coach like i did if you are uh, fooling around with uh, psychedelics uh, magic mushrooms dmt all that other stuff and you're wondering what to do with all this crazy stuff that's starting to happen to you please 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 get with the people that have been doing this for years uh be true to you is an organization that i'm a coach with and i trained for 30 weeks with them to get it done uh all the affiliate links for me are on there uh do some research click into those links what interests you the most purchase there and get a little bit of cut for sports of work we're doing here in costa rica but uh i gotta tell you uh, it's the best decision i made and if you feel a little bit lost and a little bit unfocused and a little bit like there's a new place that you need to go join us uh in whatever way possible we'd love to have you or just keep listening to the podcast thanks so much it's time to get wise
1: i wanted to do something different i mean because i was living in vegas for pretty much i lived in vegas for 22 years and probably 19 to 20 of those years were spent working almost nights, primarily nights exclusively. So I was working in the strip clubs or doing security or bodyguarding or, you know, working, doing a casino gig or stage hand or whatever. But it was, uh, it was mostly nights. And I, I just, I mean, I was having fun and everything like that, but I wasn't fulfilled and I just was kind of, I don't know. It's just like, come on, man. There's got to be something else out there. There's got to be something that just, I don't know. And I was, you know, I started dating this girl and she was telling me about this stuff and I was just kind of like, well, that sounds kind of intriguing. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I believe in God, but there's more out there, you know, in the universe and everything like that. And to think that we're alone in this entire universe is, I think, pretty arrogant
0: absolutely so, um hey the, the yeah, song just, is, the song huey lewis in the news uh i want a new drug is coming to mind you remember that song yeah was yeah it, was, is it kind of like that you kind of like a, you didn't even really know what you were doing you didn't know she's telling you about it but you're like i just want something different you need a change is that what i'm hearing
1: I want a new drug. Yeah, you know, it clears my mind up, and I feel like a different person, and this and that, blah, 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 you know, and I wasn't, I mean, I was working out, and I was actually in pretty, pretty damn good shape, man, and I was feeling good about myself like that, but my life was just kind of, you know, I wasn't, I was really angry and bitter, because, like, yeah, I got to play football professionally for 10 years, and and yes, it is an honor and stuff, but, you know, lots of hard work, and Genetics play a part of it. And let, well, let me just say I was lucky enough to, to be there. But not to be a superstar, all pro, not to make millions of dollars where I didn't have to work anymore, mm-hmm. you know, when I was done. Just the way that, the way that we were treated, the way, what, what I thought the NFL was going to be like growing up. Compared to what the reality of of it was when I got there, and mm. and just it, I mean it was one of the most. To be quite honest, man, it was the most one of the most disappointing things of my life was when I first went to the NFL. It it truly was, man, because it was. You know, when you're in high school, it's like, yay, team, <laughs> and then when you're in college, it's like, yay, team. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to the NFL, man. Tier one, tier one football, the best in the world. We're, you know, we're all going to be motivated to go to the Super Bowl and win, and then I get there, and it's like, yeah, my contract, and you're going to the me, And I was just like, oh, my God. Now, you got to remember, I grew up in a, in a, in a Navy family, and my dad was an enlisted man. Mm-hmm. so we grew up like 11 percent below the poverty line until ronnie reagan took office and and started jacking up the military as as in rebuilding it so i really didn't have a lot growing up
0: mm. so you and certainly just didn't to,
1: complain oh my god just to see because you know we're the nfl dude everywhere we go is, is red carpet everywhere yeah i mean we have police escorts to that take us to to the airport and we don't go through the airport we just ride right onto the tarmac get off the bus and onto the plane and leave you know so there's none of all this other stuff I mean dude it's it's red carpet five star everywhere and just to hear these phenomenally conditioned supreme athletes just crying like little bitches man was just like oh my god dude it was, it was such a letdown. It was such a letdown. And then the politics, you know, and I mean, I played on 12 teams in 10 years, three different leagues, mm. you know, and I, I was raised in a military family. My dad raised me, hey, if somebody asks you your opinion, you tell them. And okay, that did not go over well in the NFL. <laughs> let me tell you that. It wasn't until that I went up to Canada, because I finished up my career up in Canada, that I really rediscovered my love of football. Because up there, it was like one tenth the pay, but it was like ten times the fun, man. The guys up there it was just—they just
0: wanted to play. Yeah, you're not playing for money. You're playing for fun.
1: Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're playing. You're really playing for the love of the sport, man. So you didn't have all the egos. You didn't have all the prima donnas. You didn't have all that, man. And that was what really made it a lot of fun. I love it, man. But uh, yeah, once I got out of football, it was just like I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to coach. I honestly, I didn't want anything to do with football when I was done. I got apart. Like it was probably almost 10 years before I even watched a football game. I just, I wanted nothing to do with it. I was very, very bitter. I didn't make my money. You know, I didn't make any money at it. It was, I get cut from a bunch of teams. Sometimes it wasn't even my fault. It'd be a numbers game. Once we came out here and we, we met it, we met up with a group, uh, one, uh, one David. Love that guy. He and his wife, Raquel, very, very beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people. Yeah. And, um, First time I did Bufo here was at his house. And, uh, man, it was, you know, woke up. Oh, God, it's so glorious. I get it now, man. It's beautiful. And he doesn't know me that well. It was the first day that I met him. And actually, nobody there but Carrie knows me, my girlfriend. And I woke up, and I'm super happy. And usually most people are wobbly and stuff like that. Man, I hopped up grabbed him by the, grabbed him by the shirt and shoulders and pulled him out and kissed him right on the lips, man. <laughs> and everybody, everybody was kind of like, Whoa. And Carrie's like, no, he's just happy. Don't worry. He's not going to hurt him. <laughs> and then, uh, we did, uh, Chenga the next day. And that was awesome. And then you know, that's when I started kind of getting into the, to, to the, I don't know if I want to call it the philosophy, but the idea of the plant medicine and stuff, because it was just like, you know, it, a lot of people say, uh, Uh, The medicine gives you what you need when you need it. Mm. And I was kind of like, okay. And the next chenga that I did, I was uh, having a great old time and listening to the music, and all of a sudden I see this ice-cold corona sitting there with a lime sticking out of it. It's my favorite beer, and I'm just like, wow, that looks so good. And then I see this shot of Jameson sitting there next to it, And it's just like, oh, my two favorite drinks. Wow, I'm in heaven. (laughs) And then my whole brain, so loud, it was like thunder, said, you don't need that shit anymore. Knock it off. And I sat up, and I was, like, looking around, like, because I thought somebody was yelling it at me, you know, and I was like, all right, who's messing with me? And I was like, "Um, okay. And, man, I lost every desire to to drink. I didn't want to party. I didn't white knuckle it. I never had the, the shakes, the shivers, the the um, withdrawals, anything like that. I mean, it was just like, no, nah, you're done. I'd walk by the bar and nah, you don't need to be in there. It was actually harder for me to get out of the habit of ordering a beer than to quit drinking. Wow. Like, hey, let's go get pizza and beer, or wings and beer. Let's go watch the football game, drink some beer. You but know, that, wasn't, just, that wasn't your
0: intention, was
1: it? That, you didn't no, intend to do never, that at all. Yeah. You know, and I, 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 man, I loved to drink, I, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that I was an alcoholic or anything like that. I love the party, you know, the social yeah. aspect of it, shit like that. I never got like fallen down sloppy ass drunk. Well, I shouldn't say never, but in my college days, yeah. but, but yeah, it was like really, it was really, really weird for me for like, even the first four months, I was just like, wow, this is really different. Cause like, I don't real. I just really don't want to drink. It mm. was it was like I don't want to say it was scary to me, but it was just like blowing me away because I never had any intention to quit drinking. Yeah. It was never a problem for me. I didn't see it as a problem.
0: You know, I never missed work over it. I never had any problems with this. Did you have an intention before that? That was something else before you did that experience? No, you know what? The only the first couple of buffos that I
1: did, I would go in with intentions. And it was just kinda like the one thing that I've learned about it is don't expect anything.
0: Yeah. Don't man. have
1: any intentions. The medicine's gonna give you what you need when you need it. So I, I quit like, Well, this is what I want, or this is what I'd like to stop, or this is what I'd like to change, or this is this is what and the only thing that I really, really wanted to change was, was I wanted to let go of the anger mm. that I was holding inside me mm. and the hate and the rage from the, you know, just from all the just shitty crap growing up in life and then mm. getting shit on so many times in the NFL getting, you know, yeah, I was there and most people would give their left nut to do it, but most people don't understand the commitment and the amount of pain and suffering.
0: Yeah. The cost. We, none of us do, unless you oh, do it, you don't know,
1: right? God. One morning I woke up in training camp and I started to cry oh. as soon as I woke up because I hurt so fucking bad. I had never hurt that bad in my life and I started crying because I knew I had to get up and do it all over again and quit. I'm a military kid, quit is not in my vocabula- vocabulary mm. and it was just... It was oh my god! It was it just stuff like that when people are oh yeah you know I could have went pro blah, blah, blah. oh really did you have any college scholarship oh no, no no you know man. so you're five foot 185 eighty five pound linebacker and you think you could go pro okay yeah go in and stop that Tony Dorsett at two hundred and thirty pounds coming through the hole buddy
0: oh man it, it's so awesome can can I can I share what I saw. Uh, at our Bufo uh, experience that was going on with you because uh, are you okay if I do that yeah sure yeah. So, cause we come in there and you guys get person. We don't know each other that well, but you're giving massages to everyone there. You're a giver. You're helping people loosen some things. You're, you're physically telling me, you're like, go introduce yourself to people. Cause I'm, I'm kind of not, I'm not an introvert, but I am in new situations and then I'll kind of warm up and, and, and you're, and you're like, this is an awesome experience. This is incredible. And Lee and I and Denise have this amazing experience. Um, At that thing. But I think you're over at the side at this one time. And, and every once in a while, man, you have your big arm and you would hit the ground and you'd go, what the fuck is wrong with me? And then we're like, well, that's a little bit odd. And then your girl would come over and she'd like take care of you and then calm you down a bit. But it, it was kind of this, and it was interesting because you're so vibrant and nice at the beginning of the thing and then something seemed to happen there where you were going to try to work through some of the anger again was that do you remember that yeah i um i'm not a, i'm not a guy
1: that breaks stuff so that's one saving grace that my mom really worked into me when i was a young kid yeah but i I do have, like, I would fly into fits of rage and stuff like that. And, and that was the one thing that I that was like, look, man, I need to get rid of this. Why am I carrying this stuff? I... So uh, that was a big thing for me. And then when I started doing the Bufo and at the ceremonies and then starting to become a helper and the, the joy that I felt in helping everybody. And it felt so good because it was like my whole life as a football player, especially as an offensive lineman, my job is to run at top speed. Now, remember, I'm a 300-pound man, and I run like a 4.940. So that's speed times mass equals force. Yeah. So my job every play is to find somebody to hit Mm -hmm. as hard as I can. And that – you know, I mean, that's your mindset. That's your job. <laughs> now it's like, I don't want to hurt anybody anymore. Oh, I'm tired of hurting. I love it. And I want to help people because I know what it feels like to hurt like that. Mm. I know what it feels like to wake up after a football game and feel like I was in 60 car wrecks in three hours. Mm. And just, I mean, lift literally lifting my head up off the pillow and my neck just
0: <laughs>
1: cracking. A great movie. This is one of the best movies, football movies ever. You always, Everybody always says, any given Sunday, that's a bullshit movie.
0: Progress. The best football <laughs> movie
1: ever is North Dallas 40 with Nick Nolte it. and Mac Davis. North Dallas so the very – and just go on YouTube and just put in North Dallas 40 opening scene and watch Nick Nolte get out of bed. It's the morning after a football game. And he's still got the ankle tape on, and and when he gets out of bed, is you know he's like, oh, he goes to rub his neck, and it goes to the night before, and he goes up, and he catches a pass, bam, takes a shot in the head, Ugh. and then he's walking to the bathroom, you know, he gets out of bed, and his back cracks, and he's rubbing around, he's starting to walk to the bathroom, and he's rubbing his back as he's walking away from the camera, and then it goes to the night before, and he jumps up for a pass, whack, gets hit in the back, you know. So it's just shit like that. It's the best that opening scene in that movie just it nails it. Absolutely mm. nails it. And it just the, and the the pain that you that you have to go through, man, and, and become accustomed to. You have to learn to live with it, learn to love it, embrace it. Yeah. And it's just now I wanna let it go. I don't wanna hurt like that anymore. I don't wanna wake up in pain. I wanna sleep. I wanna sleep comfortably. I, I see other people that are in pain like that now. And it's just like, here, let me help you. Cause I know how bad that shit hurts. Mm. And that's like the big turnaround for me. That's the big thing for the medicine is it's for me, I've, I've let go so much hate. And like I said, you know, hate, anger, the rage that I've been having, I'm so much calmer, happier now. My fuse is so much longer now. <laughs> and now it's now when I see other people hurting, it's like, you know, all these techniques that I've learned from chiropractors and massage therapists and all these other people that, you know, hey, let me show you how to fix your back. Let me show you this. Let me show you that. And like anything else, you know, you discard, you discard the bad and you keep the good. Mm -hmm. So like I started learning all this stuff. And I mean, I'm not licensed in anything, but I've got a really good touch. And I've been doing, you know, like my friends for years and stuff like that. And they they love it. I've never hurt anybody. But it really makes me feel good to to be able to bring relief to people
0: now instead of hurting them. I, I love it. I mean, the bully becoming the healer is, is such a beautiful, um, yeah. concise statement for, for who you are and what I see in you now. Um, well, I, I wouldn't say a
1: bully. I mean, I, I would look at more of myself. I mean, there's wolf, there's sheep, and then there's shepherds. So I would say I'd look at my I mean on the on the field I was a
0: bully, but in life I'd look at myself as a shepherd. Mm-hmm yeah so that was that's that's kind of what you have to be in the nfl anyway right um so this is interesting because it sounds like you have always been angry did you guys have any conversations about generational genetic rage in a military family my assumption be you guys there's a sacrifice that was made that sometimes would probably carry over in genetically and into different generations you ever thought about that
1: well you know my my first memories were growing up in Japan Mm. and then my mom and dad got divorced while we were in Japan. So Mm. then, you know, I'm in Japan, say goodbye to your dad. Next thing I know, I'm in Rhode Island and, you know, never seeing him again, basically. So kind of growing up without a father figure. Yeah. I had a stepdad who's very, very loving. And I had some great coaches in my, in my career that were kind of father figures, more mentors actually, but, you know, Pat Hill um, that I had at Fresno state, amazing coach, an amazing human being. Um, but uh, yeah. And especially when you, when you go up to the pro level and, and I mean, like I said, sometimes, you, you know, you lose your job and it's not even your fault. It's because it's a numbers game. Hey, this guy got hurt. Yeah. And you know, we got to bring in another receiver and you're the last guy in you're the most expendable so sorry and you know now you're making you know you're, you were making fifteen twenty thousand 20,000 a week and now you're not making anything and you're just waiting for that phone to ring you know and the bad thing about it is it's like you never wish an injury on anybody but you're praying for somebody to get hurt so you can have a job yeah. Yeah. And that's that's kind of the life that's kind of the life of the of the pro athlete. I mean, you go to the training camp and you guys are all supposed to be on the same team and everything like that, but you're all the guys that you're grouped with that are supposed to be your friends on the offensive line, you're competing against them for a job. Yeah. So how close can you really get to them? How much how close can you really how much really can you confide in those guys? I mean, because I had guys telling me to go the wrong way and wrong plays and stuff like that when I was coming on to a team because you know, they were some of the old boys and they didn't wanna they liked each other, they've been playing with each other for years, they didn't want to see me coming in and taking one of the good old boy jobs or anything like that. So, you know, they mess with you, tell you the wrong stuff, lie to you. And it's like, dude, how how are we supposed to mesh as a unit when I can't trust you?
0: Well, you can't, right?
1: Yeah, and that's see that's a lot of the things that the people don't that people don't see about pro sports and you know, oh praise be to God, and this and that, and I love football so much I'd play for free. Well, well, they'll let you. They will. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you can you can surely give that hundred billion dollar contract to, to charity. You know,
0: a lot of people could do Yeah, it's,
1: it's it's a bunch of crap, man. They're there for the money. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is
0: yeah, so, it's it's tough, man, because I think you guys uh, once you get close to a certain trajectory. Um, and, and and close but no cigar, and you don't get the thing that you were so ready to get. That it's a lot harder because it seems like you were so close. What I see from you outside of that is the guy that's like, "Hey, man, let me help you. Let me show you some things that might take away some of your pain. Let me have a conversation with you. Let me let me let me like you said, um, you know, from the uh, you know, sort of from the bully to the to the healer." Conversations with aliens, being pulled into other dimensions, and being lit on fire energetically to align my chakras, those are some of the things that happen to me, which I talk about in my book, Evolve, the Parables of Plant Medicine. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. I'm Jeff Wilson. I love doing it, and I hope this helps you on your journey as well. Um, in order to keep it going, and if you want a copy of my digital book, uh, feel free by donation only, any amount uh, over 10 bucks will work. Um, go ahead and PayPal me at jeffwilson72g-e-o-f-f-w-i-l-s-o-n-72 at gmail.com. And if I get that, then I will send you over. Uh, PDF copy with the code will be locked and uh, excited for you to join. Uh, Other than that, please keep listening and enjoy the next part of the parables of plant medicine. It's time to get wise. I think that it may be tough to sometimes fragment out the past to the future, but I love the duality of what you're talking about right now. You were like, I was in pain, I was causing pain now I'm healing and trying to heal and and I see that dichotomy there and I'm like this is this is interesting it feels like you still got some of that other stuff and we're all still working on on it but what would you say would be the top three or five things that plant medicine brought to you to help you deal with you Peace. peace 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 How? These,
1: you know, it's kind of been a combination of things. I just wouldn't say it would be plant medicine. I mean, the mm-hmm, Bufo, the plant medicine. Uh, I went in and I was getting a, a, a 10-hour rolfing session done with uh, Mike Buhlman down here in uh, Samra. Mm-hmm. And he was digging in my armpit one one day. And I had I had an emotional release. And I, I cried on his table for probably 10 minutes. Huh. And I felt the next day... I mean, even after then I felt much lighter Mm. and when I when I stopped drinking, I mean, that was such a big thing for me now. And now I look at it it was like, man, I'm, I'm glad that, that I did quit drinking, you know, because now things are going in a different way and they talk about, you know, alcohol being low vibration and stuff Mm. like that. Mm. And I've been wanting to get away from the low vibration and the feeling bad and the feeling shitty and, You know, living in Vegas for 20 years, all you do is you meet your friends at bars or clubs. Yeah. Nobody goes outside. Nobody, you know, especially when you work nights, hey, let's go for breakfast and beers. And maybe we'll go to a bar and have a couple of beers before we go home and go to bed and then go back to work at night.
0: Well, in Vegas is like small except for on the weekends, right? It's like tiny during the week because nobody there. Same people all the time, right?
1: uh it's it's still good size i mean I, I was there for like i said 22 years so i i, I actually watched it explode really mm. cuz when i when i was first there there was like four strip clubs in las vegas and now there's like over 40 and there was a lot of there was a lot of desert around vegas let me put it that way now the valley is almost completely full so it's 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 grown quite a bit interesting quite so- a bit.
0: So, peace, um, stopping drinking, and what
1: else? Yeah, I, qu- I quit drinking. Um, I started sleeping better. I was letting go of a lot of the anger and the hate and the rage. I was actually starting to 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 recognize it, see what was making me so angry and pissed off all the time, and then starting to let it go. And, you know, come on, it doesn't serve me anymore. Let it go. And... I remember when I first initially got out here and started doing it, um, some people were talking to me like, wow, you're, you know, kind of like you said, I'm very open with people. I want to help. And they're like, you should, you should serve. Mm -hmm. And I was kind of thinking about it. And then I was really just kind of listening to the medicine. I wasn't really searching, but I was just like listening. Should I do this? I mean, really, should I do this? And it was like, no, no, this isn't for you. You don't you don't you don't need to serve this mm. isn't for you you want to you want to help mm. uh, so
0: i was like okay you don't so, want to serve you, know, you want to help so did I hear that right you don't want to serve you want to help is that what i heard yeah
1: okay. yeah i don't want to i don't want to be the facilitator i don't want to be the server i don't want to be that guy i don't, I don't mm. need i don't
0: need that you don't need the, the the crown you don't need to to wear the robe yeah,
1: yeah yeah i've i've had my time in the you know playing pro ball and everything like that i've had my time in the sun and and I, I don't need, I don't need the ego stroke. Yeah. That's the thing I'm getting away from. So for me, it just you it's know, a big I mean, scam anyway, isn't
0: it? it? Huh? It's a big scam anyway, isn't it? Your ego, <laughs> kind of. What do you mean? Well, when I just like, if I look back at all the arrogant and ridiculous ego things I've done in my life, and I'm like, God, I don't even, I don't even. That's not even real. It's just a pretendy thing that I thought I was so good at something. I mean, the ego is, is yeah. this mask that we wear? It's not. I real. got
1: a front neck tough, be the baddest dude around.
0: Uh, <laughs> you got the other,
1: uh, I'll kill you. What you looking at? Why are you giving me the stink eye? Uh, blah, blah, blah. Nah, screw all that shit.
0: Yeah, but to you be you know.
1: So yeah, that was uh, that was, you know, and that was kind of a thing that was funny to me growing up. Anyway, was I've always had a, even though I've always had a temper when the fuse goes i've always pretty been kind of an even keel kind of guy so for me it was uh i'd see a lot of guys that you know they're that they're that playing football in college and the pros and stuff and they don't know how to turn it off they don't know how to get off the field and leave it on the field mm. you know they, they've always got to be the tough guy the tough guy the tough guy i mean there's there's guys that i played football with that dude i would on my off time i would walk across the street to avoid talking to them
0: <laughs> well Just, it's, and some that might be in jail right you know what i mean like, yeah that's it's the you're you guys are kind of like the gladiators of yeah if sports. it wasn't
1: if it wasn't for pro if it wasn't for pro sports you'd either be a pimp or a drug dealer or 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 yeah mm-hmm. gangbanger or, dead you know yeah
0: yeah kind of crazy oh so, yeah
1: that, that was like my biggest transition for me when I, was, when I first started going to this thing and I saw how open everybody was and loving and just, and that was a big thing that really got me was, was like, the people in this community, they don't want anything from you, but for you to get better. Yeah. And that was the thing that really kind of struck me was like, what do you guys want? What do you guys trying to get out of this? What's like? Nothing. We just, we just want you to be better. We just want you to, we want to help you become a better you. And then when that really started sinking in was just like, wow, there really is no ulterior motive here. I mean, they really, you know, they really are helping because I was seeing the changes in myself and noticing how I was letting go of this, letting go of that. And then when I quit drinking and I was, that was like a real big, wow. Okay. This is some powerful shit because I, I still to this day love drinking, even though I don't want to drink. You know what I mean? If, If that sounds kind of funny.
0: You just want to have a so,
1: good time. Uh, yes, yeah, so that was kind of the one of the things. Uh, I went to another Chenga, and um, I had broken up with with my girl, and I came back by myself. And one of my intentions for this one was I didn't I didn't want anything for me. I I was always really good at chiropractic and massage and stuff like that, and I was thinking, you know, I'd like to help the people relax and get into their journey, you know, so maybe if I crack their backs and, you know, help them open up their chakras and stuff like that, it'll help them help them get deeper into their journey and stuff. So that was my intention was to go there and help everybody. Mm-hmm. So I went in and, you know, being as big as I am, I volunteered and, and nobody done it first yet. So they were kind of like, oh, everybody was kind of like, uh... and then one person volunteered, then he saw what I was doing and all of a sudden there's a line yeah so for like an hour before we started a chenga i'm doing all this adjustments and stuff like that but man when we started that chenga the energy that i expelled opening everybody's up open up their energy channels and everything like that the energy that i got back ripped Wait. my fucking head off man really it was one of the most absolutely intense experiences Of my life, dude. I I went from the highest of highs to hugging the toilet bowl, puking my guts out, and thanking, actually happy, happy as I was laying there on the ground, just literally shaking, wrapped around the toilet bowl. And I'm just like, oh, God, thank you. Feeling so much better. Not even know what I was getting rid of, but it was just, I could just tell it was leaving my body. And I, uh, that happened like four different times at one ceremony. And then, you know, and I'd go through this big purge session, then clean up and then come back in and wow, I feel great. And yay! Hey, for the next hour, it's like, woohoo. Yay. Good time. And all of a sudden, all right, here comes a bat again. Oh God. Oh, and, but yeah, after that one, man, I slept like a baby and the next day was, it was, man, it was, it was a whole new, whole new world. And, uh, So for me, it was, that was kind of like the big eye opener to me. It was like, look at how much you get when you help instead of hurt.
0: Oh, such a beautiful, a beautiful, poignant point at this point. Here's why. If we compare to the life that you had before, it was fight, fight fight, scarcity, trying to get the big check. The life now is this community of if I do good to you, um, I already know it comes back to me tenfold. The light that you are now is like a candle lighting another candle, and you do not lose anything, but they gain. And that is this plant medicine community that you're a part of. You can see that in there. And, and that's sort of the magic, the duality of who you are, I think. I think that you have been that one side and you see this side, and, and now you are wise because you've lived both sides of that
1: coin. The biggest the biggest problem problem for me was, and and one David uh, pretty much told me the first time that he met me, because I was really struggling, um, I was struggling to let go, to mm. to give in, not fight it. You know
0: what I mean? Mm. Surrender. And I didn't. Yeah. That's not a word and, you know, you, that feels like, good, right? <laughs> For the most yeah, of our no, lives.
1: No, that's not a word that feels good because when you when you say surrender, now we gotta remember I grew up in the military, I I know. a military special <laughs> athlete. And Juan told me that, that that day, man. He was like, Look, didn't you sound been right. You've <laughs> you been raised your entire life to never quit, mm. ne- never surrender, always find a way to win, never give up. And he goes, This is exactly what you have to do now. And that's what I was having such a big, big problem with was, was just giving in. And then one day, we were doing some, doing some mushrooms, and we were sitting on the beach talking about it, and I was just kind of rolling this through my head. And all of a sudden, it just came to me, and I, and I started crying, and because it, it was so simple. It was so easy. It was like, it, giving in is not giving up. And that was the thing that like really just slapped me in the face. Cause it was just like, well, I'm not quitting anything. I'm not, I'm not giving up any, Oh, I get it now. You know? So, th- so then. Like, I just want to repeat that. that.
0: I just want to repeat that, man. Cause that is beautiful. Giving in is not giving up. That's a nice. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah.
1: Cause I remember when I met David, he was just like, you know, after we were doing the ceremony for a little bit, he goes, Mike, I've been doing this for over 10 years. And he goes, you've got one of the strongest minds that I've ever come across. One of the, you know, you're one of the top three strongest minds I've ever come across. And he's just like, that was a thing, you know, you've, 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 your entire life, you've always been a fighter. And this is, you know, now you have to just let it give up, give in, let it happen. And it's just, it was so, Flipping hard until I just had that little light switch giving, yeah. giving in is not giving up. It's like, Oh, great. And after yeah. that it became a lot easier. And then, uh, so yeah, after that, I, uh, I started doing, uh, a lot of whenever we would go to the ceremonies and stuff, I would start doing, uh, the, uh, massaging adjustments for everybody. And, and now I've got this invention in mind that, uh, I think if it, comes to fruition it could change the massage industry so i'm working on that now but you know it's kind of funny because i was you know i figured that once i retired it's like yeah i don't want to do anything i just want to sit on the beach and this and that and after a while it's just kind of like yeah this is really cool but you're not really helping you're not really helping anybody
0: yeah man that was the
1: the thing is is like yeah i like going i like going to the ceremonies but in between ceremonies what are you doing and it's like, you know, I notice when I get kind of bored or something around here, it's like I'll grab one of my, you know, downstairs neighbors or something like that. Come here, get on the table. Here, let me rub you out. Let me give you an adjustment, whatever. So some of the people now, and it's actually kind of funny now is because like, just through word of mouth, uh, instructors and therapists are actually starting to come see me. You know, hey, man, I heard you're, you do really good stuff. I'd really like to have you work on me. And I'm like, good. I, I'm not licensed or
0: anything. I don't care. I heard you're really good. You know, yeah. like, All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's cool, man. And, and I, I mean, one of the things would be to your powerful dude, and, and there's nothing worse than a massage with uh, not strong hands, especially if you need them to get through things. So you probably understand that deeper than others.
1: Yeah. Well, I tell you, man, that was one of the things that I really was having a problem with too, was after being in a world of so much, just absolute, Masculine energy,
0: and then, and it's a toxic max masculine energy. It's not the good kind. Not not all of it. No, not all of it. Not all of it. Toxic masculinity is bullshit. Because once 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 war
1: starts, or or an earthquake, or or a flood, (laughs) or anything like that.
0: I mean, the aspects of toxicity in masculinity because there are very much aspects of femininity that are toxic as well. We shouldn't be Well, you be get a, I mean, you a lot of big other.
1: ass alpha males around each other. Yeah. I mean, big dogs are going to fight. Yeah. So, so when I started doing the medicine, kind of one of the big problems for me m- myself was not a lot of, not a lot of big guys are in the medicine. Nope. It's true. I don't, I don't say this with any, with any slight to anybody that, that I've gone through the medicine with everybody's been wonderful, beautiful people and everything like that. But when you've been a soldier or a professional athlete or a cop or a firefighter or somebody that's been in a, it's been in a rough and tumble world. and – That was kind of what I needed, you know, and I I felt like that was lacking for me while I was doing it because lots of beautiful girls, you know, and dudes and stuff like that, all these vegans and, you know, that's cool. And they're all very nice and loving and stuff like that. And then I met Lee, (laughs) big Lee, Gagnon. And, uh, yeah, the first time I, first time I saw him, um, we didn't talk. He was there. He was really kind of closed off, quiet. And, uh. You know, we did, the, we did the ceremony and everything like that. And then uh, Juan David called me, like, the next night and said, hey, you remember that big guy that was there? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he goes, well, he's kind of his first time, and he's kind of flipping out, you know, thinks he's going to lose his mind if he does this again, and he's supposed to do it this weekend. You know, you both kind of come from a rough and tumble world. Why don't you give a call and uh, see if you can talk him down? And I was like, yeah, sure. So uh, talked to Lee, and, and he was – really shitting a brick about a lot of things. And then, no, no, you know, it's, it's your body produces this stuff. Your, your brain's not going to go, you're not going to go psycho. You know, you're actually dealing with yourself. You can't hide from yourself. That's the thing. You can't lie to yourself. You can't hide from yourself. So right now you're just subconsciously, you're scared because you're going to have to face yourself and there's no, you know, you can lie to your priest. You can lie to a a shrink. You can lie to a doctor, but you can't lie to yourself. Yeah. So that was one of the main things that I was kind of pointing out to him was like, look, man, you've been a cop. You've been a firefighter for 30 years total. I mean, yeah. think about some of the terrible, terrible shit you've seen, man, that you've had to do, you know, burning bodies, the cop stuff. So anyway, he uh, he did his bootful first you know, on the day that, he, that, that it came up, he called me and he goes, man, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm not scared at all. I'm ready to do this, man. I'm looking forward to it. So I was like, great. And I didn't think I was going to go that day. But David was like, no, you're going today. So I was like, okay. And I don't know what it was, man, but it was having that big-ass bear of a man, just that, that – Mountain of masculine energy there was like something that I that was a trigger for me that was what I needed. It was like a for me, it was like a jump start yeah. or something. I don't know what it was, but I it was just having that big ass bear of a man there just like triggered something in me that got that, that was like, yeah, here it
0: is. It's, you know, this is what it's like to be a fucking man. I got so it was, yeah, so it, it kind of felt like you had good masculine energy. Like you guys both kind of belonged in that moment doing the thing. Cause if you, he just did his podcast a couple of weeks back, we just had it out there and he specifically talks about you and him. He, he goes, I remember him saying this, just forgive yourself, forgive yourself. And, uh, going through that real emotional, intense moment that probably you're very, one of the few people that could relate to some of the stuff that he was going through. Yeah. Well, you know, when
1: you're such a big guy, I mean, because Lee's like 6'3", 270. He's a big dude, man. Mm-hmm. And when you're a cop and a firefighter for 30 years, trust me, man, you've seen some bad shit. Because when people call you, they're at their lowest point of their life. Yeah. So you can imagine some of the crap that he's seen. Oh, yeah. No. And, the, and the day that he came out of his... And we that was one of the things that we always harp on. Hey man, there's no judgment. There's no shame. You know, cry, let it go, just be happy. And for big guys like us that have to put on all that armor and you know, and that they've been so you know, had to live in a tough guy world and this and that, it's kind of kind of tough to to open yourself up like that because when you do it in that world, you're immediately ridiculed. And oh yeah. So I, I remember when the, I remember when Lee came out and he sat up and he started you know kind of trying to make a couple jokes to deflect from the nervousness that he felt of you know God I hope I didn't do anything wrong yeah. and then he kind of started thinking about what was going on you know and you could feel the energy when you when you start doing these things you get a little empathetic and I could tell okay he's rolling so I went to give him a hug from behind and all the girls kind of scooted in and we all gave him like this big gang hug you know. Mm. And he just started bawling and we're just like, let it go, dude. Just let it go. Nobody cares. Nobody cares, man. Nobody's judging you. Nobody's, nobody's going to critique you. Nobody's going to shame you. There's nothing to be ashamed about. You're a big man. Let it go. And he just had a cry. And I could, man, I I cried with him right, right there. I was just, I was behind him, you know, had my arms, had my arms around him. All the girls were kind of hugging him too. And man, my, you know my tears were going right down his cheeks it was it was a really touching moment and it's uh i liked you know and in a way that the duality of man being able to go from 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 being able to beat the shit out of each other to to want to hug hug each other and and it's okay it's okay you know it's a, it's it's such an amazing feeling when when it's not only just happening to yourself but when you see it happen for other people when you can see them let go, and the and the joy, and, and the, the jubilation that they feel when they finally let that demon go that that's been dragging them down, just stuff like that, and and to be able to help them on that journey, you know, and, and let them know that they're loved and they're safe. I love that feeling.
0: I love I, it. Everybody loves it. You don't you don't want to love yeah. it until you until it happens. To you think like it's okay to have that feeling, right? Yeah, uh, your first
1: one, you're scared and you're kind of looking at everybody like, man, you bunch of hippies. And then then after the second one, you're like, oh, peace and love, bro. Give me a hug. (laughs) You know, you're right there with them.
0: Yeah, Mike, I think this is the most important work that anyone can do right now. I'm so happy that you are part of this community and taking time with me to talk about this, and really to allow us to uh, sort of give permission to another segment of man out there, that strong, big, muscular, athletic man that's like, I need—I know I need to work on myself, but I don't want to be like... Guys don't want to ask for you help. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Guys don't want to ask or, for help. And uh, and I think that uh, we're, you and, and Lee and a whole bunch of other people are the start of uh, what the healing that needs to happen um in men and and of course in the world and i want to thank you so much for taking the time my friend and i get excited i gotta come out to Ohm and, and samra and see you guys soon but I'll, I'll definitely be hanging out with you again in the next couple of months and i just want to say thanks so yeah, much we for sharing. yeah we absolutely do man but i would say thanks so much for uh being there and and uh, helping instead of serving and uh, being who you are man and uh just uh thank you so much god bless and i can't wait to uh see you again.
1: Thank you, man. Can't wait to see you again. Take care. Bye for now. All right, brother. Take it easy, man. Good night.